SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Warning. The following program contains shocking content that may give you a better or worse than pessimistic hope on anything you like, especially when it comes to your love of sports, entertainment, and even your own morning culinary experiences. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. I do like the Lakers there. I got a feeling they are going to come out flying to start game four. I'd be very surprised if we didn't see a real good effort out of L.A. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Welcome to Bagels and Bad Beats with yours truly, Scott Wetzel, on this Tuesday, October 6th. Yours truly sitting in for the next two glorious hours, taking your phone calls as we always do. 844-843-6879. Again, that's toll free, 844-843-6879. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. Our poll question is up already at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to my website, oppositepicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away. Emails, tweets, phone calls, little YouTube chat as well. Right here on the Bagels and Bad Beats again <clears throat> on a Tuesday, October 6th. Well, 4-0 prevails. <clears throat> Belichick with a brain fart. Uh, oil leak with the Texans starting from scratch in the NFL. Virus 3, sports world nothing. Even in victory, the Browns are the Browns. Upgraded to questionable. Can't afford a beer? A six-pack for Dolphin fans. All is fair in love and war, apparently. Not in my house. And uh, he really can be a jerk. Uh, we'll get to all those stories again, plus your phone calls, emails, and tweets right here again on a Bagels and Bad Beats with yours truly, Scott Wetzel, for this Tuesday, October 6th. And hopefully your week is going well. Day number two. Of uh, the week, and uh, boy, a lot to talk about. We had not one but two NFL games last night, and really the first one uh, was a more entertaining, more competitive, more interesting than the second ones. Uh, in reverse in baseball, we had two playoff games with I think the second ones, thanks and uh, Devil Dogs being more entertaining than the first one, which really kind of got thrown to the you know who cares? It's in the middle of the afternoon. Tough to get an audience in the middle of the afternoon. It really is. So you got two baseball games uh, to talk about, two NFL games to talk about as Kansas City and Green Bay both remain undefeated. We got NBA playoffs later on tonight, game four. And we got our uh, first quarter lock of the decade all coming up later on. Get to it all. Bring us the bad SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. There's a third and goal, and they flip it to Hill. He's got a blocker in front. He goes for the pylon, and it's ruled a touchdown. She 
defense at the far end of the field, reaching for it. Oh, he he's in. It. Right. Oh, and he lost the football after he touched the pylon. But did he have a pos full possession on the contact with the pylon? Yes. Well, if the pylon causes the fumble, <laughs> I mean, is, is that a defensive player? I think that's a touchdown. Bagels and that beats on a Tuesday morning, 844-843-6879. We'll open up the phones here in a bit. Uh, that was, uh, I guess it's technically an NFL Network broadcast. Oh, no, actually, that was CBS. Uh, I'm thinking regular Thursday night game. But uh, this being a Monday night doubleheader, whatever the case may be, uh, that was on CBS last night. Nance and, uh, and Tony Romo uh, doing the honors. His Kansas City knocks off New England in the first of our two NFL games, 26-10. to 10. They staggered the start times which worked out actually well because Kansas City and New England turned out to be a halfway decent game going in. You figured it would be a blowout, but it really wasn't. Uh, the score, 26-10, not indicative of how actually how close it was, although the, the score does indicate it was a two-score game, which is basically, uh, you know, it was a one-score game most of the way, but anytime it's a two-score game, you're always in it. So, uh, so we had that game, and then by the time that game ended, you were kind of about a quarter or so into the Green Bay-Atlanta game, and if you uh, had anything left, uh, in your tank if you were going to stay up at night. Then uh, it was a competitive game for about a half or so, and then Green Bay led 20-3, to and then really never – the Falcons laid an egg, which you had to expect. After playing so hard, so tough, and blowing three straight games like Atlanta did, you figured an egg would be thrown in there somewhere. And, uh, you know, bad for them, bad for Dan Quinn it was last night. But we'll get to that up, up in a sec here. First up, let's start with Kansas City and New England. Um, uh, 30 to 16 was the uh, the Green Bay score. Uh, 26-10, Kansas City beats New England. Uh, they improved to 4-0, 13th straight Chefs win, dating back to last season, obviously, including the postseason. Um, I tell you what, you know, when it all really turned, you know, I, I know Bill Belichick is considered a genius by most people, and I'll I'll tell you, he's uh, <clears throat> no smarter than anybody else, but he's more savvy uh, than anybody else. He he knows the nuances of the game. He doesn't get tricked. Uh, knows all the loopholes, you know, he, he twists the rules to, uh, to fit his means and, you know, all within the rules technically. And, that, and that's all fine. But is he really smarter than anybody else? No, I, I think he's much a bozo as, as all these other head coaches are because he, he botched this game. He, he completely botched the game. Listen, Brian Hoyer sucks. Uh, and the backup Jared Stidham is, is no better. I fully understand why Cam Newton easily, easily won the starting job watching these two quarterbacks. Why Brian Hoyer is still in the NFL, let alone being a starter, is beyond me because he was just a bumbling fool last night. We'll start with uh, bumbling fool number one, Bill Belichick. You know, here really is when the game was there for New England to uh, grab hold of, let's just say. Kansas City football, third and four at their own 42 in the second quarter. Uh, back to pass goes Pat Mahomes. He sacked. He lets go of the football. I don't know what he was trying to do, but he lets go of the football in desperation. Ball pops up in the air. Uh, Shalit Calhoun catches the ball, which should have been either a fumble or an interception. Either way, didn't matter. You know, didn't land on the ground. And, uh, you know, he returns it about five yards or so. So it should have been a Wingland ball. Worst case scenario uh, at the Kansas City 42 where Mahomes fumbled the ball or threw the interception. Or if they allowed the actual play to continue, then you tack on the five yards and you figure New England has the football inside the KC 40-yard line. But the officials rule, nope, they blew the play dead. So no return on the interception, no interception. 
Kansas City football, you get to punt. So bad call. Listen, those things happen in the course of a game. That's why you have challenges, right? So does Belichick challenge? No. Does he call timeout to at least get them to review? I mean, it is the first half. So you got three basically worthless timeouts in the first half that you can do whatever the fudge you want with. You don't have to worry about not having them at the end of the game, right? So does he even call a timeout? No. He lets Kansas City punt the football. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing, Bill? I mean, at worst, even if you don't want to use a challenge, because you obviously are limited to just two of those, three if you get both right, but you got to call a timeout. I mean, it's the second quarter. You have three timeouts. Who cares? Call the timeout. Let them rethink things. Let your side of the equation look at the review. See that it clearly, clearly was a fumble. And although you cannot uh, advance the football out of fumble slash interception, even if the whistle blows, they do allow the play to continue. If it was an obvious recovery, which it clearly was, as New England, you know, like I said, caught the football in the air. Again, whether it's a fumble or an interception, doesn't matter. So as long as there's an obvious recovery by one team, even if the official blows the play dead, that play technically can continue. So why Belichick didn't challenge there, I don't know. They're down 6-3, second quarter. You can get the football at the KC 40-yard line. Great field position. Your offense has done basically nothing. You know, three lousy points up until that point. Not that that would even matter. What's the difference? I mean, it's a three-point game. It's the second quarter. You challenge or call timeout. He got caught with his pants down again. He's done this over his career. I don't care what anyone tells me. And that Super Bowl against Seattle, when he wasn't calling timeouts before they fumbled the football or before they threw the interception, that was a a brain cramp. It was. It wasn't anything competitive. He just froze. He should have been calling timeouts to leave himself some time if, in fact, Seattle scored. Uh, but they didn't, and obviously it worked out. And at this time, it did not work out. He, he had a brain fart again. You got to call a timeout. At worst, if you're not going to challenge it, fine. You have to call a timeout. He didn't. Casey was able to punt the football, and, uh, and they lost a golden scoring opportunity. So as far as Brian Hoyer is concerned, boy, he just stinks. I, I mean, good gravy. End of the first half, Patriots still trailing at 6-3. to three. Defense is doing a phenomenal job on Mahomes and that uh, vaunted Casey offense. And there's uh, 10 seconds left or so. He's got no timeouts. It's uh, third down, so he can't, uh, you know, get caught with, the, uh, you know, getting sacked and then, you know, have enough time to spike the football. One, you don't have time. And two, you don't have the extra down anyway. So Hoyer... What does he do? Being the veteran, he's been in the league for 50 years. Does he throw the football away? Do they, you know, run a play where they make sure that they get out of bounds? No. Back to pass in the pocket. Brian Hoyer, and he gets sacked. No time left. He's trying to call a timeout. There was no timeouts to be called. I mean, I don't know how you don't realize. You're the quarterback of the team, and you don't realize you don't have any timeouts left. But beside the point, you can't get sacked there. I mean, You just can't. And it wasn't like a blind side. He didn't realize he was about to be sacked. He did realize. And he tried to scramble out of the pocket, even though he had plenty of opportunity to throw the football away. He doesn't. He gets sacked. And instead of, at worst, getting out of there with a 6-6 tie heading into halftime, Hoyer sucks uh, the ball up, and uh, the time runs off the clock, and the Patriots go into halftime trailing 6-3. Then in the third quarter, basically the same exact thing. Hoyer leads the team down the field. They have the football right around the Kansas City 10-yard line. Looks like they're going to score. Again, it's 6-3. to three. At worst, they get out of there with a tie game. 
Hoyer back to pass, third down. He gets sacked. He fumbles the football, and Kansas City recovers. And there's another scoring drive wasted by the New England Patriots. And that was basically it for Hoyer. Not basically, it was. That was the last drive. Uh, I'll, I'll give Belichick credit because his frustration on the sidelines must have been like every single New England Patriot fan watching on TV. I, I mean, just two absolute golden scoring opportunities for the Patriots in a 6-3 game, you know, and it's just blown away by Brian Hoyer. Oh, he was just awful. Just, just, you know, again, what is he doing in the NFL? I, I mean, if, if you've been in the league for freaking 10-plus years and you don't know enough to throw the football away, and you just cannot let that happen to you, not, not when you're playing any team uh, let alone the Kansas City chefs. So in came Jared Stidham. He did lead him on a touchdown drive. I don't know if the kid is any good or not, uh, but you could see the rust, the inexperience. Uh, you know, he he did lead them a couple of first downs, did get a touchdown, but threw a couple of awful plays, including a pick in the end zone. Uh, and, and that was really the end of that. So Kansas City is able to escape with a 26-10 win. They're now 4-0, and the win with falls to 2-2. And that Patriot team without Cam Newton is in a lot. I mean, a lot of trouble. I don't care how good that defense was. That offense was atrocious. They will not be anybody this year unless Cam is back under seven. All right, Bengals and Bad Beats. More coming up on the uh, Tuesday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. Blitz picked up. Rodgers has his man, the tight end, Tanyan for the touchdown. Robert Tanyan on the receiving end. 19-yard score and make it three consecutive games with a touchdown catch for Tanyan. wonder if he's available on your uh, fantasy roster. Uh, three touchdowns, leads the uh, NFL now with five uh, over the first four games. ESPN with the call there as the Green Bay Packers in game number two of our Monday night doubleheader, which I actually like. I mean, I'm, why wouldn't you, right? It's more football. I do like uh, more game. I don't know why they wouldn't uh, do a doubleheader. Well, I guess because the four-letter network pays a gazillion dollars, so they want exclusivity. That, that's why, Scott. I'll answer my own question. But it is nice. I do like that. You know what? And the second game starting at 9 o'clock isn't that that late, that if you really wanted to, if it was a good game, you know, you didn't have to stay up until 3 o'clock in the morning like these uh, other Monday night doubleheaders to start the season when they start at 10, 10, 30. Starting at 9 o'clock, you get to watch the the, uh, the conclusion of the first game, and second game kicks in. You know, you're already a quarter in. That's okay. Uh, I wish the NFL would do that uh, more often. I'd rather have that than Thursday night games, which are really just kind of like out of the blue. Uh, but Green Bay does win 30-16. to They improved to 4-0. So uh, you got two 4-0 teams last night, Kansas City and Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers throws for four touchdowns, 327 yards. Three of those TDs go into Robert Tanyan. Who the fudge is Robert Tanyan? Undrafted kid out of uh, Topeka High. I mean, he leads the NFL. He's tied for first, but with five touchdown receptions. Robert Tanyan. 
I'll have to go to uh, my fantasy and see if he's available. But Packers lay really, really it was a it was a bad, boring game. As for, as much as the enter uh, the, the first game was entertaining, even though we didn't have a lot of points, uh, the, the second game was was a dud. Twenty to three at the half. Atlanta's offense stung. Julio Jones re-injured his hamstring, uh, so he was uh, forced to sit out the entire second half. Todd Gurley ran for only 57 yards, although he did have two touchdowns. But really, it was the Aaron Rodgers show. It was 20 to three. That's you know when the turning point came, and when Green Bay uh, was leading at seven nothing, they drove down the field, got to the Atlanta one yard line, could not score after going for it on fourth down. Falcons get the football. They march all the way down the field. They get first and goal, and they have to settle for a field goal to make it seven three. That was kind of the like, you know, if you're a Packer fan. You're all set to be upset because you blew a chance to easily score, make it 14-0, really put the dagger in the Falcons early. Falcons go the length of the field. You know, literally, they, they take it down to the Green Bay five-yard line, first and goal, and they got to settle for a field goal. And when Green Bay survived that, that that basically was it. It was just a matter of when and, and when came just before halftime, up 13-3, to short touchdown pass from about 10 yards out to make it 20 to three. And, and really, like I said, that, that was it. It lacked the drama that the New England Kansas city game, the Falcons, you had to figure after having three, just gut wrenching losses, like they've had the first three weeks of the season, not so much the first game against Seattle, but playing, you know, uh, halfway decent on offense. And then the two gut wrenching back-to-back losses against Chicago and Dallas, you knew they were due for a dud and you know what? It came last night. So green Bay gets the win. Now, Dan Quinn you know, clearly, clearly is on the hot seat, which is the subject of our poll question today. Uh, with the firing yesterday of Bill O'Brien, which we'll get here in a second, he wins the first coaches fired award. Who's next to be let go? Uh, is it the Falcons' Dan Quinn? He's leading the way early on with 44% of the vote. You got the Jets' Adam Gaze getting 34% of the vote. The Lions' Matt Patricia getting 20% of the vote. And then the proverbial other uh, getting 1% as uh, one of our LL's loyal listeners wrote in the Dallas Cowgirls uh, defensive coordinator, which is not a bad, you know what? I didn't say head coach in the poll. I did say, you know, coach. So uh, why not? You know what? It could be the uh, defensive coordinator, uh, Mike Nolan. Uh, good job, Andy, there. So get your vote in. Check out the uh, opposite picks uh, Twitter feed, and we'll update that a couple of times throughout the morning. So Green Bay, now we're down to six. We got six undefeated team Dolphin fans. And I will tell you this. Dolphin fans, if in fact Kansas City uh, goes undefeated, wins the Super Bowl, which is a long ways to go, I understand that. But when we looked at their schedule last week, there were four games we pointed to, and this was one of them. Now, we didn't know that Cam Newton wasn't going to be playing, so uh, they still have three more so-called tough games on their schedule that they could stub their toe. Otherwise, it's an easy slate. If they go undefeated, we could circle Bill Belichick and Brian Hoyer. Those two will go down in the lures of, uh, you know, uh, uh, Steve Bartman for Cub fans. I, I mean, to not challenge that play last night, that, that is just idiotic. And for Hoyer to play as bad as he did in a game that was winnable. I mean, it was there. They held Kansas City without a touchdown in the first half. And they darn near held Kansas City for the first time under uh, uh, Pat Mahomes' reign for without a touchdown for the first three quarters as their first touchdown came with uh, less than a minute left in the third quarter. Some amazing numbers they were saying last night. I'll tell you, I don't know what was in the water yesterday sports world-wise, but we had more records being broken or tied around the sports world, whether it's baseball or football. Uh, they were saying last night, I got to double-check this, Kansas City became the first team in NFL history to start 4-0 four straight seasons. Is that possible? I, I know they were saying 3-0 in the four-letter network under um, 
uh, under Mahomes, but did they start 4-0 the year before with, with Alex Smith as their starting quarterback? No other team has started 4-0 four straight years. That seems a little weird. And how about the, the, the uh, and I looked this one up, and I guess it's true. Last night was the first time all season that the New England Patriots offense had a penalty called against it. I mean, think about that. I mean, no illegal motion, no offensive holding, no intentional grounding, no offensive pass in the feet, nothing. Four, three plus games. It took them in the fourth game to get its first offensive penalty. I mean, that's that's really amazing. Over 200 plays. I wrote it down here. What is it? 200 and uh, they had 226 plays without an offensive penalty. I mean, that is remarkable. And they only had seven penalties heading into last night. They had a couple last night, but even that, when you start thinking about only seven penalties over three plus games, I mean, that is that really is just mind boggling to me. Um, you know, nearly three and a half games, and they got their first illegal procedure penalty uh, in the first half. Boy, uh, again, straight. So you got a bunch of little uh, goofy things like that yesterday, but Kansas City wins. And uh, they're four and zero. And if they go on, like I said, if they go undefeated, this game was winnable. This game was absolutely winnable uh, for the New England Patriots. But that said, unless they get Cam back, they are not beating anybody with that offense. They they just Stidham's not an NFL quarterback right now. Maybe he'll get better, but you know he's been with that team for over a year. It's not like he's a rookie. We've seen rookies this year, i.e., Bobby Abair Jr. there with the Chargers look 10 times better than what Stidham looked last night. He looked stiff and, and just overmatched. And uh, yeah, although he didn't throw the one touchdown pass, which wasn't too bad, just decision-making, uh, things like that. So, uh, but if they end up undefeated, I'm not going to be too happy because that was, a, that was a game that they could have won. They could have. Baseball last night, Stankies hit uh, four home runs. Uh, they beat up on Tampa Bay 9-3. Giancarlo Stanton finished it off with a uh, grand slam highlighting a five-run ninth inning that turned a 4-3 game into a 9-3 game. It was 5-3 when he hit the grand slam. I will say that he did take the bat up the first baseline. These two teams you know, don't like each other. Uh, I don't think they're going to throw at him, considering what he went through a couple of years ago after getting his face smashed in by a beanball, but still got to be extra careful with that stuff. Yankees going to win this series. I hate to say it, anti-stanky people like myself. I, you know, they're going to win this year. They're better than Tampa Bay. I know they lost 8 of 10, but they have a full lineup now. They got Judge hitting. They got Stanton hitting. If you get Stanton starting to hit, then forget about it. This is going to be the best team in the American League by far. I called it earlier, called it yesterday, called it before the season, postseason began. Uh, I like the Dodgers over the Stankies in the, in the World Series, and I haven't seen anything that's going to make me change my mind as this Stanky team just beat up the, the, the best pitcher they had, Blake Snell. Here's the difference. Here's really the bottom line. And I know Tampa Bay screws around with the bullpen and then do a great job. Uh, you know, Kevin Cash does a phenomenal job working guys in and out. And that that's their MO. They don't have their starters go seven, eight innings. I, I get all that stuff. But here's the difference between the Stanks and the Devil Dogs. All right. The Stankies are, you know, sending out Garrett Cole and company out there. And they're sending out, you know, big time reliever after big time reliever after big time reliever. The Devil Dogs are pitching a guy in the ninth inning, albeit after the Grand Slam, so it's 9-3, but that doesn't matter. It's a playoff game. They're putting a reliever out there, Shane McClanahan, 
who became the first pitcher in baseball history. Another one of those goofy, uh, you know, records that uh, I would talk about. He became the first pitcher in baseball history to make his big league debut in a postseason game. So the Stankies are sending out, you know, $35, $40 million a year pitchers in this postseason. And the Devil Dogs are sending out pitchers who are making their major league debut. I mean, that's that's all you really need to know to figure out the difference between the, you know, $250 million payroll Stanks and, you know, the $50 million payroll Tampa Bay Devil Dogs. They're setting out pitchers, again, experience galore, postseason, regular season, everything else, all-stars, and Tampa Bay sending out pitchers that are making their major league debut in a, in a playoff game. I mean, that that's, they got no shot. They, you know, they may not even win one game. I said they would win one. You know what? They, they might not even win one game, Tampa Bay. They're in a lot of trouble. They're, they're overmatched. I don't care what they did winning 8 of 10 in the regular season. This is the postseason. Stanks are on fire. I hate to say it. 31 runs over the last three playoff games for the Stankies going back to the Cleveland series. Again, another one of those goofy uh, records. Most ever in postseason history. Ever. Not, not just for the Stanks. 31, no team has scored more than 31 runs over a three playoff game span. Yankees set that last night. Uh, they became the first team also in the American League to hit a grand slam in back-to-back playoff game after uh, Gio Oshela hit one in game two. And they're a clinching game against the Cleveland Indians. So I, I, a home run after home run after home run. The bats are out. The three days off didn't hurt them, unfortunately. Tampa Bay put a fork in them. They are done. We are not. Four coming up. They do the bad defense. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Yeah, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. Curtis deals, Stanton in the air, center field, deep, on the run, Kiermaier running out of room, and she's gone! It's a grand slam for Giancarlo Stanton! A game-breaker for Stanton and the Yankees! Center field home run, and the Yankees lead it 9-3. Uh, TBS with the call last night. That was the uh, dagger, although the Stanks were leading at 5-3 at the time, at the time but still uh, that, that wrapped up a nice little bow on a uh, 9-3 Yankees win, taking game one, game two later on today. You got four games today in Major League Baseball. You got both National League Series getting underway, and then you got both American League Series playing game two. And then from this point on, uh, every series will be uh, in play until the series obviously uh, is over. Bagels and Mad Beats on a um, uh, Tuesday morning, 844-843-6879. we got to hit the phones here in a second. First up, let me bring up the Bill O'Brien situation with the Texans. Uh, they fire their head coach and GM. And, uh, listen, th- this clearly, 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 you know, generally speaking, I, uh, you know, I don't know if I do or I don't. 
Um, I don't call for guys to get fired, you know, without, you know, call an occupational hazard, having been down that road, uh, unless it's really, you know, due. And I don't know if the case is due here or not. I don't know if I should feel sorry for Bill O'Brien, point being, or not, because this is a situation where he had to have. He just had to have bring, uh, brought this upon himself. I, I say that because he just got promoted to officially GM and head coach last year. So what what happened from last year, this offseason, that made life so miserable for the Texans and Bill O'Brien? Is it an 0-4 start? Listen, I get that. That sucks. There are no two ways about it. Uh, the schedule was difficult, but I will tell you, as a playoff team that you know reached the second round, you got to win some of these games. You know, you're not taking on the undefeated Miami Dolphins here of 71. I mean, you're, you're taking on beatable teams, whether it is Kansas City, whether it is Baltimore. Certainly, obviously, with, with Pittsburgh on the road, they had a chance to win. And uh, this past week against the, the, the winless Minnesota Vikings, you got to win some of these. I get that. But 0-4, you're going to get whacked at 0-4 the year after you were promoted to, to GM as well as the, the normal head coach. I, I mean, you're in charge. So there, there's got to be something behind the scenes, right? Now, you're getting some stories about how he clashed with some players. We know he traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, we, we know he got rid of, you know, uh, um, Clowney. Uh, but both those guys wanted monster, monster contracts. You know, and we've seen no one give Clowney the monster contract that he's been asking for. Um, you know, the, the Cardinals did rip up a Hopkins contract and gave him a ridiculous contract. So, you know, if, if that's what it was going to take to keep Hopkins happy and on your team, then you can't necessarily blame O'Brien, right? Maybe you can blame him for being the head coach and not getting this guy to buy in. But ultimately, you know, if the guy wanted $20 million a year and he's under contract with three more years left, you can't necessarily blame him for moving him. Maybe you can blame him for the trade itself, not getting a first-round draft choice back. But, you know, you know, something obviously behind the scene. You don't go 0-4. And get fired. You, you you just don't in the NFL. Like I said, a year after you were promoted to GM on top of your head coaching duties, he's been there six years. He's reached the postseason for the six years, uh, including last year, which he had a 24-0 lead on a team that ended up winning the Super Bowl. I know they blew it, obviously, but, you know, they had themselves in a pretty good spot last year. They shouldn't be that far away, and he doesn't get the opportunity to change things around. So he's out. Uh, Romeo Cornell is going to be interim head coach. So I, I don't know how much of a jerk was Bill O'Brien. That's that's the question. You know, apparently he, he ruffled some feathers uh, trying to bring in safety Earl Thomas, but ultimately he didn't. So it's not like, you know, the players said, no, 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 no. And by the way, how much of a jerk must Earl Thomas be? You know, here, here's a guy that's a, uh, you know, probable Hall of Famer, and you're trying to bring him in to help the team, and the team says no. We're 0-3, and we'd rather be 0-3 and be 0-4 than bring in a, a Hall of Fame type of player who, you know, maybe is past his prime, but still, the Earl Thomas must be one real jerk. I, I mean, you know, for teams to shy away from him, he must be a real SOB. So so teams, I guess the Texans pushed back on O'Brien's interest in Thomas, but he, you know, he adhered to that, so you would think that would be a positive thing. Uh, he apparently clashed with some players at practice. God forbid. Oh, my God. You actually should challenge players. He took over the play calling duties. I don't have any issues with that. If I was a head coach, I would be doing it as well. I am not handing my play calling duties over to an offensive coordinator. I am not letting him run, in essence, the team. I'm doing it myself. And if I can't do both, then I shouldn't be the head coach. So I don't know what O'Brien was behind the scenes. 
He Maybe he was just a complete putz. Maybe he was getting in people's faces. Maybe he wanted to be fired. Maybe he realized this was a sinking ship and let me get out of here faster uh, than I uh, would normally. I, maybe that's it, but it just seems weird. You just, like I said, you don't fire a head coach who's been there six years, has had some success, uh, you know, has been able to have the ability to uh, lay the groundwork for the future of the team, giving out the contract that he's given out, making the trades that he's made. You know, generally speaking, you make these goofy deals and you have to deal with it. So I don't know. And was Deshaun Watson consulted? Was J.J. Watt consulted? Not, no. I'd be curious to know, though, if, in fact, uh, they were. And, if, and in fact, if they weren't, I'd be more surprised. But who knows? I, I don't know if Watson has that kind of cachet. And uh, I don't know if a defensive player would have that ability either. But uh, out is Bill O'Brien. And I don't doubt for a second we'll probably see him on TV. I will say this. Now, I've not been the biggest fan of him. He, you know, uh, I've justified his trades a little bit more. But as a Dolphin fan, I will say, holding on to uh, this upcoming year's first and second round picks. Uh, This Texans team can't lose enough for me. I mean, that would be, as it turns out, Larry Tunsil and uh, Kenny Stills is getting them a pretty good return. And if we can get a top 10 pick, uh, if if it turns out to be that, then you know what? Not too bad. Uh, Not not bad. I will take that. So, um, but so I've not been the biggest fan of his, but, you know, you have to admire what he did at Penn State. And I, I, I just think he bailed. I, you know, I, I think he probably forced his hand and said, you know what, I, I want out of here. I'm going to be a jerk and I'm going to get myself fired, I suppose. Um, so he he's out. Um, and uh, Jack Easterby, uh, if that's how you pronounce it, Esterby Easterby is uh, now the new, he was executive VP. Now he's in charge. Used to work with Josh McDaniels over with the Patriots. So McDaniels is now being considered a, a, one of the uh, lady candidates to take over. But for now, it's Romeo Cornell to finish out the, the season down in Texas. But very strange for him to be fired now. All right, uh, five, or, uh, 844-843-6879. Let's start with a good buddy, Rich in uh, West Virginia. What's up, Richie? How are you today, bud? You know, I agree with you and Brian Hoyer. Why is he still in the league? It just seems like Bill Belichick's reputation of getting people, bringing them out of a bar, people you never heard of to put in there. That's what they should have put in besides Brian Hoyer. He's just, uh, I just don't understand. I mean, playing the NFL, you should be at least halfway decent, and he isn't, and he never was. So I don't know what he was doing there. I think it's it just the familiarity to, uh, of the system, Rich. I, I really think it was just him being familiar with Belichick's system, having been there before. So let's bring him in, and uh, you know we don't have to uh, you know teach him everything. I don't know how complicated it is, but it must be a little complicated. I, I think the familiarity of it all, uh, knowing that he's going to be on the bench and is probably okay with that, and you know not going to create any issues about wanting to be a starter. So I, I think that probably played more of a role than his actual ability, believe it or not. Well, it looks like so far, because that's what—that's the thing that I was interested in the most when this season comes. Comparing Bill Belichick to Tom Brady, if if Brady left, would uh, what would happen? And it looks like it's going Brady's way because I saw him play. They were talking about last year. One thing that I heard a lot was uh, Brady's lack of accuracy and. Uh, he just didn't have the arm strength. Well, he sure had it. When he threw those five touchdown passes, they were accurate. They weren't those little <laughs> dinky ten-yard passes to Edelman over the over there. They were long passes. They were accurate. 
he hasn't lost anything. So when it comes to what was the better deal, looks like Tom Brady to me because it looks like Tom Brady's the same. He hasn't changed a bit, and he might be better than ever. So I, I'm i looking like Tom Brady. It was a better deal with Tom Brady leaving than, than Bill Belichick. I think Brady's going to have the advantage as far as success this year as far compared to Bill Belichick. Yeah, so so far, uh, good call, Rich. Yeah, you know, early on after the first game, it was, uh, you know, Belichick and the Patriots with the upper hand since they won the first game and Tampa Bay lost the first game. Uh, but, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, three weeks later, the tables have turned and now it's uh, in favor of uh, Brady uh, with the big comeback. And, and uh, now everything happened. And I don't know how long Cam's going to be out. You know, if he actually has the virus, which it seems like he does. Um, you know, he's got to be quarantined for, he, he's probably going to miss at least another game, if not two games. So, you know, I don't even know who they play next week. Let me, let me check their schedule here real quickly and try and figure out, um, uh, who, who they have and see if they can beat anybody. Not, not that it even matters. I mean, unless they're playing like the jets and I know they're not, although I guess they're not, uh, other than, other than the jets, who is probably the worst team in the NFL. I don't know if this Patriot team could beat anybody with Brian Hoyer. I, I mean, he looked so bad last night, j- just those mistakes. You know, I thought it was Daniel Jones at quarterback for, uh, for the Patriots. Uh, th- that's how bad it was with this guy in the pocket. I mean, just no pocket presence whatsoever. I expect that out of Daniel Jones. I don't expect that out of Brian Hoyer after being in the league, uh, you know, a number of years. Let me see. My computer's a little slow here. The Jets, uh, they play the uh, Denver Broncos next week. All right, at home. Um, you know, you would think they would be able to beat the Broncos, you know, but they are a step ahead of the Jets. But, uh, you know, two halfway decent games coming up, Broncos and then 49ers at home. Uh, good luck with uh, either way. You know what? I don't think the Patriots are even going to beat the Broncos. I really don't. Andy in San Antonio joins us on this uh, Tuesday morning. What's up, Andy? How are you, my friend? My my friend Scott, how you doing, brother? Okay, what's on your mind today, bud? Oh, the Roosters. Well, <laughs> oh, they're doing all right as long as they keep as long as they keep working on hands, they'll do all right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, well, Scott, I know Adam Gates is a dope. I know Matt Matt Patricia is a bozo. I know Dan Quinn is inept. But I got to go. You know, I got to go with the Cowboys' defensive coordinator. That they're, uh, you know, need to be needs to be the next coast fired. I mean, you think about it. Cowboys are the last in the league with points giving up 100, giving up 146 points so far. They sat there and everything. I mean, they sit there. Their defense right now is historically bad, and everything about the Cowboys. They, I mean, literally. I mean, me and you could line up and score 21 points against this defense. And and I don't want to hear everybody sit there and say, "Oh my God, well it's effort. It ain't it ain't scheme. It's effort." Well, guess what? Efforts on coaching too. What are you? Why aren't you getting you guys up for games? That's got to. That's that is on the Cowboys. That that is Mike Nolan is horrible. Mike Nolan, and that's a that's a reflection on Mike McCarthy. That's just to sit there and show you how bad Mike. But this is Mike McCarthy's guy. Everything about this defense is horrible, and so and and I want to sit there and tell you something about look at how good is Aaron Rodgers playing. They draft a quarterback this league this year. And all of a sudden, you know, he's playing like his hair's on fire. Six complete, it's six incompletions last night. He's now I know everybody's going to get Pat Mahomes and stuff like that. I I don't I can't stand Aaron Rodgers, but he's playing outstanding this year. Yeah, it's it's amazing, you know. And, and boy, if they would have used that first round pick on a on a real player, not a not a quarterback that they figure 
uh, any kind of luck uh, doesn't play for the next two, three years, they'd be even that much closer to being a Super Bowl caliber team. Good job, Andy. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, that Dallas defense, 146 points in four games. I mean, just brutal, embarrassingly bad. I will right, we'll close that hour number one next right here. Vegas a bad beast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Bagels and Bad Beats on this uh, Tuesday morning. Let's update the poll question here real quickly. Which uh, will be the next head coach fired in the NFL? Uh, although I said coach. Falcons' Dan Quinn leading the way at 47%. Now Adam Gase, 30%. A little surprised about that. Uh, Lions' Matt Patricia getting 21% of the vote and uh, other uh, getting 1% of the vote. Check it out at Opposite Fix. Uh, if you have an other, feel free to go ahead and name him as we've had with uh, one of the guys at Andy writing in the defensive coordinator, Nolan, for the uh, Dallas Cowgirls. So, at opposite picks. Coronavirus 3, sadly, and uh, sports world nothing. Here are the latest ones to come down with the coronavirus. Uh, former great Hall of Fame college football coach Bobby Bowden revealed yesterday uh, in an interview that uh, he has the coronavirus, 90 years old, went to the hospital with a leg infection, uh, found out he had the virus, feeling okay, not experiencing any symptoms, knock on wood. Uh, but obviously at 90, you always got to be real careful about that. Edmonton Oilers announcing that Connor McDavid has tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, this coming after, you know, living in a bubble there for the longest time, although they've been out for a little while. He's uh, experiencing mild symptoms, but feeling well. And then uh, Arizona college football coach Kevin Sumlin has apparently tested positive for uh, COVID-19, according to the school. He's uh, entered self-isolation and uh, has not, again, experienced any symptoms. It's amazing how many people come down with the virus but always say, but I'm not. I'm asymptomatic. It's remarkable. It really is, uh, which is a good thing, obviously. But it's just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems kind of weird that everybody is asymptomatic. But uh, they've contacted, the, you know, all those that have been involved uh, and, and, and come in in contact with someone. So. You know, Arizona hoping to have a season come uh, November about a month from now, literally a month from today, uh, as a high school, as a college football head coach uh, now in in isolation with the virus. So uh, not going away anytime soon, sadly. It's uh, unfortunate. All right. Bagels the Bad Beats, one hour in the books. We'll recap it all next hour. NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA resumes tonight. Check it all out next. Bagels the Bad Beats on a Tuesday
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.